1: Is playing for the national title. It's Syracuse is your national champion. Who's 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 Who's
2: out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from allsyracuse.com with episode 91 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online. In this episode, we are going to react to Dino Babers being fired as head football coach of the Syracuse Orange, what it means for the program moving forward and what type of candidate Syracuse should look at for Dino's replacement. The last of the major sports leagues is often rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time head to bet online today and remember to use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v for your 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts so a few weeks ago i said we have to stop meeting like this right and that was after syracuse had lost five games in a row now we are meeting like this under more dire circumstances. Not only did Syracuse lose 31-22 to 22 at Georgia Tech, but it seemed that that loss was the camel that broke the proverbial camel's back and led to Dino Babers being fired on Sunday one day after that game. So we have Griffin and Sydney with us this week. We're just going to kind of go around the room and get everyone's reaction to the news that dropped Sunday Kind of late morning, early afternoon and kind of took up everyone's uh, social media feeds throughout the rest of the day as we reacted to the news and got little tidbits here and there and potential candidates and all of those types of things. Griffin, let's go with you. Um, your reaction when you saw the news that Dino Babers had been relieved of his duties as head coach of Syracuse football.
1: Yeah, so I'm back home in Buffalo right now, and I was sitting in my living room with my parents, and I saw the alert, and I actually gasped out loud. My parents were like, what? Like, what's wrong? And I said, like, oh, my gosh, like, Dino Babers just got fired, and they were even a little surprised, too, and, and I think the big reason why is there's one game left in the season, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit later, but uh, for how... John Wildhack has gone about coaching decisions in the past it has been more of a passive approach and you know we've we've had conversations about how this season went if they were 6 and 6 you still make a bowl game if they decided to make that move but i don't really think anybody expected this late in the season especially with one game left for Dino to be relieved of his duties when there's still a chance that they can make a bowl game so i would just say utter shock in the beginning and then I, I did feel really bad for him. I've had nothing but great interactions during my one year here uh, covering the program with Dino. He's been great with the media, not just with uh, people like that are going every single day, but even just the students and, and all the different people that are coming in and out uh, covering the beat. So uh, I feel bad for him. It's always tough when you see somebody lose their job, but especially when there's somebody who's, you know, been nothing but amazing to you. I think it does
2: hurt a little bit more. Sydney, your reaction?
0: Very similar to Griffin. I was actually working on writing the story for kind of the post-conference, you know, press release or that he, or the post-game press release that he did. And, you know, as I'm listening to him, I'm I'm listening to him talk about how he's going to respond next week. And I can just like feel him fired up to going back in the dome. And that's when I look down at my phone and see like, he's done. He'll never go back to the dome And and I think I was just absolutely shocked like, everybody, or at least, like, Griffin and I, because, you know, the pit game felt like that could be a deciding game, but I felt like once they got that win, they're one game away from a bowl. We knew going into Georgia Tech, it felt like their tougher opponent um, besides this weekend. So I feel like there's still, you know, a great shot for them to make a bowl game, and it just felt very surprising that they would make this move again, with one game left, but also it's the fact of what does that one game mean? Now, if they were out of bowl contention, I would absolutely understand this move. But I think because it holds so much weight, I was surprised to see them shake up a program so much. You know, obviously now somebody has to step step up, but I feel like your week looks different. You know, you have a different person in charge and and maybe that's what they were going for. But I was just surprised that they would change it with still a bowl game on the line for the first time, they could go back to back since 2012 and 2013. That's still been 10 years. And, you know, just echoing again, what Griffin said, he's been nothing but respectful to, you know, women in sports that I've seen. And that's something like I very much appreciate. And I think in these moments, it's easy to hate and say, you know, because of the record, he should be fired. But at the end of the day, like he he was a good man. And it seemed like a lot of, His players respected him, but he still has a family and and that's going to cause a lot of life changes for him and his family that I feel very bad for, because that's the hard part of sports is it. it is a business at the end of the day and it's hard to see.
2: Yeah. So a a few things you mentioned the different voice this week, Uh, just for those who are unaware Syracuse tight ends coach Nunzio Campanelli is the interim head coach. So he's going to be the acting head coach this week as they go through preparations for Wake Forest. And he'll be the one making all of the head coaching decisions as far as, you know, substitutions and timeouts and clock management, and all of those types of things, when to challenge when not to all of that is going to be uh, done by him. And, He has experience doing this back in 2019. Rutgers fired Chris Ash, and he coached the final eight games of that season as the interim head coach. Now, it didn't go very well. He was one in seven, but that Rutgers team was much more devoid of talent than this Syracuse team is. So that's one thing to keep in mind there. But uh, another point that you guys both brought up was uh, how good of a man Dino is and, and your appreciation for his respect for you. Uh, you can say a lot of things about dino bapers and i understand just like sydney said that this is a business and that you know being a good guy doesn't really get you any anywhere in in being a head coach at a major college program but i appreciate the fact that over his 8 year 10 year there weren't instances where there were outlash or there were lashouts at media members where he had to come out and apologize for something that he said or did in interacting with another member of the media. the respect that he showed for students that would come in and basically only cover him for a year and he would treat them all the same way that he would treat you know, the syracuse.com beat writers that were there every single day for for years and years and years. Um, you know, myself, other local members of the media that are there on a regular basis, he would treat the students that would turn over every single year the exact same way. And so um, I I do think it's worth pointing out that he was a good man and he was a good person as far as all of our interactions with him. But, you know, I, I thought if Syracuse was going to make this move going back to that part of it before the season ended, it would have come after the Boston college game. You've lost five in a row. Boston college is not a good team. I understand they're eligible and they have a better record than what Syracuse does, but that's a, that's a team you should be, especially at home. They're not a good team. They're very limited offensively. They're okay. Defensively. They're not great defensively. And it took Syracuse handing them four turnovers and not picking off, not taking advantage of the turnover opportunities. Boston college presented them in order to, to win that game. So that was a, a, a game that they should have won. And I would have understood after the second year in a row, losing five games in a row, why at that point you would have said, all right, now's the time to make a move, but to wait, Syracuse has a much better performance against Pittsburgh wins that game. And then they went at Georgia tech and down 24 to three had every reason to fold didn't battle back and actually looked at one point, like they had all the momentum. They were going to figure out a way to pull it out. Now they all ended up not doing it. And there were, penalty mistakes and other things that caught ended up costing them that game the the fumble on the opening kickoff of the third quarter as a primary example and and so i understand if at that point the decision is made yeah i think we need to move in another direction i'm just surprised that given that he'd been here for eight years they didn't give him the last game almost to be like, listen, we're going to move in another direction. And they actually did this with Scott Schaefer. They announced that he wasn't going to return the next year, but allowed him to coach the last game of the regular season. I was kind of expecting that that would be the case this time around. We know how much the players, uh, how much they love Dino Babers, what they think of him and his culture and his program, and think of him as a coach and as a father figure to them. So I'm surprised they kind of didn't let them Do a let's go win one for coach, last one for coach, and then say, you know, we'll do the interim thing for bowl game prep if if we win. That's kind of where I stand on it. I want to know if you guys think that he deserved the chance to coach the last regular season game. Maybe not the bowl game, because if you let hit the problem with letting him coach the bowl game if you're deciding to move on, is by the time that's done. A lot of moving parts have already happened in the coaching carousel. And then your list of candidates are so much lower. And you're also in the middle of the transfer portal window. So as soon as you then announce Dino's not coming back, all of the players that are upset with that are going to immediately enter the portal. And you don't have a new head coach who can try to talk them out of that. Whereas if you do this now and you get a new head coach before that window opens, it opens on December 4th, by the way. Then you can have that new head coach come in and talk to guys like LaQuint Allen, like some of your leaders on defense and Marlo Wax, if he doesn't turn pro, um, you know, all of these other guys and say, this is why you need to come back and believe in me and why you're going to help us turn this around. And then they can make a decision. So all of that said, did he deserve at least the chance to coach this final regular season game? Sydney, I'm going to go back to you.
0: Yes. Yes. I, without a doubt, definitely believe that, especially when you, like you said, Boston College would have made sense. There was a few other instances that I, I feel like maybe, but when you have one game left, I don't feel like this this game makes a difference. I completely agree with you on on the bowl game. I think at that point that you have to, the bowl game is, is it it's a cap at the end of the season, but it's also setting you forward to next season. And it'd be very hard to kind of, Separate from a coach, if you were especially planning, if you ended up winning a bowl game, I think that makes things very sticky. But I believe that he, after eight years, everything he did for the program and especially the game being at home and with a legitimate chance to beat this Wake Forest team that's four and eight now, not having their best season, I think they should have let him coach. And I guess I'm surprised because it felt like between – you know, Babers in the front office that there was always this very good relationship and connection. And and I guess I'm very curious about those conversations and how much he knew and how well he was prepared after that game to when the news happened. But I think it it kind of comes came as a shock to not only him, but some of the players. And I think when your season's on the line, that's the last thing you want to do is cause that type of shock. But you want everyone to be able to rally together. And it feels very hard to rally together after losing your leader for the last game.
2: Yeah, now I I think what the message from the remaining coaches is going to be is you're playing for each other. You're especially playing for the seniors, right? If you've got someone who's a sophomore, or a junior, and you've been around a Garrett Schrader, um, and and some of these other guys, uh, Caleb Okachuku, and and some of these other guys, you've been around them, um, for multiple years, and you think highly of them, and and they're your brother and your teammate, and all of these things then you want to give them the opportunity to end their career in a postseason game. And that's why you go out and you play your butt off against a Wake Forest team that uh, frankly has nothing to play for because they're already eliminated from bowl eligibility. So you still should have – more motivation on your side. And perhaps you want to play a little bit angry. If you think that Dino Baber should have been retained and um, you know, you're in that camp, then you can kind of go out and say, we're going to play for coach and, um, and then say that after the game as well. Right. Send that message out to say, you know, Hey, this win was for coach that that's going to be, I think the way that they're going to have to try to motivate the players uh, to your point, Sydney Griffin, your, your thoughts on if if you think Dino should have been given the opportunity to coach the final regular season game.
1: Yeah, I understand the other side of a lot of our perspectives and saying it was time. Dino's been here for eight years, 41 and 55 record, 20 and 45 in conference play. But what's one more game going to do for that? Nothing. It's only going to give Dino the respect that he has deserved for his tenure here. And having that last game, I think you bring up a great point, Mike, and It really can go one of two ways in this next game against Wake Forest. It can go the way that you described, and it can be fuel for the team. It can be a way to, you know, we're going to play for him. We're going to play for each other because these guys found out at the same time as us. And if I was in that position, I would have a lot of very negative feelings towards that, that he did not get the proper send off that he did. But the other way that this could go next week against Wake Forest is they could play down. They could be defeated, deflated feel also, even though that they have that bowl game so close to be captured for the second straight year, but they could play down because we feel like our team just got ripped away from us and that there's people that are at the top of the food chain that are making decisions that could negatively be impacting us and our chances to win. Uh, So I feel like without a doubt, Dino deserved to coach that final game. And like you mentioned, if you don't see him being in your plans, even if Syracuse won that game and they go back to a second straight bowl eligibility, I think it would be much easier to stomach if at least he got the opportunity to go win that game. And if he does great, both sides can, you know, shake hands and move on. Or if he lost and you still made that move, but you know, we're not going to have that conversation now because Syracuse decided to do what they do. And uh, honestly, I just don't agree with it.
2: Yeah, it's, it, I mean, obviously our, our opinion isn't going to change things, but, but, Um, You know, I think I think there is there certainly was some surprise among um, many who cover Syracuse and and many fans that it was done at this time as opposed to after a loss to Boston College or letting him play out the last uh, regular season game. Now the the question then turns to who do you get to replace? Dino Babers. So, what should Syracuse be focusing in on in terms of the attributes or characteristics of a candidate that would come in and do a good job and take the program to the next step, which is a consistent bowl team that has the ability to win more than just the six game minimum um, on a regular basis and perhaps get to, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins uh, every few years as well? If you're John Wildack, what types of things are you looking for? And if you happen to have a name or two that you think fit that bill, then you know, throw those out as well. Griffin, we're going to go right back to you.
1: I've seen a lot of names thrown around in social media, and some of them have ties to the area or used to coach at the school. And you know, Dan Mullen, I heard his name, at Ogeron, and some people were even saying Jimbo Fisher. But Syracuse fans, you have to try to put this into perspective. Those things are never going to happen.
2: Stop ever. with the Jimbo like, that's Fisher. Not, Stop with Jimbo. Like, Listen, I'll, I'll interrupt <laughs> you very briefly and then let you get back to it. But Jimbo Fisher had the single greatest NIL situation like in college football, Texas A&M is loaded with money. They are able to money. pay players as much as they want. Basically they were getting elite level top five recruiting classes, competing with Alabama for the number one recruiting class, seemingly every single year. And he couldn't win consistently enough there. How is he going to come into Syracuse who has one of the worst NIL situations in power five without all of those extra resources and win with much lesser recruits you need someone who has a proven track record of developing talent and getting more out of them than what their recruiting ranking is if you want to start Syracuse and build it so I, I think Jimbo Fisher is he'd be a name he would be a splash higher because you get a lot of headlines you know by making that higher but I don't think it would end up getting you anywhere in terms of actual tangible results on the field that's that's my opinion on Jimbo Fisher you, you can continue really. yeah
1: I 1,000% agree, and you teed me up for the rest of what I was going to say, too, because a program like Syracuse, you're behind the eight ball in so many different ways. You're one of those last Power Five schools in multiple different ways in terms of facilities, geographically, NIL, all of these different big parts of what head coaches have to do in this college landscape, it is a job that is not very attractive to a lot of those big fishes names to begin with, but the two types of people that you're going to see that could actually get this job are one coordinators at other power five schools that would make a lateral move and maybe just have that extra splash to be a head coach now, or somebody at the FCS level who wants to make that next jump, wants to try to get to the power five level and take a young program that they previously had and they're a winner and they've built a culture and now they want to do it in the power five landscape. And a name for me and and Mike, I know that we talked about this earlier, but I think too that really makes sense. Sean Lewis, I think just the the name alone makes sense. Bad situation in Colorado. Still a young guy, whole lot to prove. I would really like that. But I'm starting right now. The Bob Chesney, I I don't even want to say if it's like a, a presidential like campaign. <laughs> But I fan, I fan club, had, maybe? Uh, I guess. Yeah, works. we'll say fan club. So I have a personal connection with him. My cousin actually played for him at Holy Cross. So I've gotten to see this Holy Cross program that he's built since he was named coach in 27, 2018, in my own eyes. And what they've done at the They FCS were bad level, when he got there. Very bad. Yes. And like what he has done since then is remarkable. He's under 50 years old. He still has so much to prove. His all-time coaching record is 111-46, and, and he's done it at every single level that you can think of. He's coached high school. He did it at Assumption, which is a D3 school, and then he's done it at Holy Cross. He's looking for that next step to try to be a proven guy, not just in FBS, but he can do it at the Power 5 level. I think that would be great for upcoming recruits. I think he would be a great guy to keep the talent that you currently have in the program because it could be a young guy that they can relate to, a lot of excitement around his name. And it just seems like a great fit when you're looking for a guy who already has a great proven track record at a school where you're not going to have these blue-chip type of coaches be interested in this job. You kind of have to find a diamond in the rough, and I think that he really could be for Syracuse.
2: He is a really interesting – Really interesting candidate and I think fits a lot of the boxes of what you should be looking for at Syracuse. But before I get into some of my criteria and and some names that I'll throw out there, Sydney, we'll go to you for uh, your thoughts on what Syracuse should be looking for for its next head coach.
0: I would really like if they look into the other programs on campus and why are they successful and dive deep into what makes them successful being their head coach. I think if you even just look at women and men's basketball right now, you know, both teams off to a good start. Obviously, Coach Autry is very new, but let's even look at Coach, you know, Coach Jack. And just the energy that she brings on the sidelines. And I think that's what they're missing at times. You know, I feel like Coach Baber's very stoic on the sidelines, not going to show a lot of emotion. And I feel like when you're especially playing football, you need that a little bit of a – it doesn't even have to be younger, but it's something you typically see in a younger coach. But I want someone fist-pumping on the sidelines. I want him, you know, talking to his players, being more expressive, being more emotional, because I feel like that's what Syracuse is missing. We've been saying it all year. This team is too talented for the record that they have. And I feel like they just need that extra spark. There's only so much, you know, a LeQuint Allen and certain players can do, but it has to come from your leader being your head coach. And, you know, obviously I I came from Northwestern and I, I guess I see what happened for the coach who never coached in power five. You know, people thought he was over in his head with coach Braun, just being a defensive coordinator. And now as a head coach, how he's taken them to, you know, their first bowl game in how many years. And a lot of it is just having that younger mindset, having that spark. You see him, he's very animated on the sidelines. So, and kind of just even talking about some of the coaches that we listed, you know, I, I personally, my favorite is Sean Lewis. And I feel like you, you see more of an emotional side of him, but I think if you want to look at it the other way and look for someone who, you know, has a ton of experience, you also can get that in, and now I'm looking for one of my names, but you can also go with somebody who's a little bit older and more experienced. But I personally think just having that younger coach that can connect with the players more and bring out that spark and that energy is something that they need.
2: If you want energy, Sean Lewis is a great option. Exactly. That guy just does not lose. I mean, he has, we can find out whatever it is that he has and bottle it and sell it. So everyone can have that kind of, I mean, that guy is energy personified. He is—he uh, would certainly get everyone excited. I—I th- I thought he did a really good job at Kent State. Kent State has a lot of things going against it in the MAC. Uh, they don't really have the support of the administration in that school, and they don't have the investment in facilities. They have one of the worst in in all of the FBS level in, in terms of their facilities. And he was able to turn them into a team that was a consistent winner and, and a bowl game, uh, going to bowl games. And there were a lot of challenges in being at that spot. So he's got some head coaching experience as well, which, which is good. A couple other names I'm going to throw out there. And, you know, I find this interesting that, um, the energy thing was brought up and and how it contrasts with the way that Dino Babers is on the sideline with, with his stoic nature, as, as you said, Sydney, because the guy before him was Scott Schaefer who was very energetic on the sideline. And the guy before Scott Schaefer was Doug Marone, who was very stoic on the sideline. So it seems to be going opposite, right? And then you also have, and I know Griffin is not a fan of Doug Marone for him.
1: (laughs) For my sake, if Doug Marone comes back as a quarterback... I might get crazy on Twitter if that's the case. Like, it will be bad.
2: He is a candidate that is going to get mentioned because of his ties. There's there's no question about that. But the other thing that they've done is they've gone opposite in terms of um, offense, defense, offense, defense, right? Uh, Greg Robinson was a defensive coach. Then they went to Doug Marone, who was an offensive coach. Then to Scott Schaefer, who was a defensive coach. Then to Dino Babers, who was an offensive coach. So if you're going by trending, that would mean defensive coach would be next. And I think a guy that could fit that bill is Tony White, who did a good job as a defensive coordinator under Dino Babers. He knows the school. He knows the challenges at Syracuse. He's also grew up in Queens, so he's a New York guy. And so I think he can talk to players in the New York and New Jersey area. Because he understands you know, their lifestyle, where they're coming from. He can relate to them. He is a little bit on the younger side. The thing that he doesn't have that some of these other candidates have is he doesn't have any head coaching experience. So this would be his first head coaching job. So there's always a risk when you hire someone um, from that perspective. Another name that's been mentioned that has Syracuse ties is Dan Mullen, former head coach at Mississippi State and Florida. He was an assistant coach for Syracuse in 1998. Uh, Kurt Signetti, the head coach at James Madison. James Madison is one of the best stories in college football. They just transitioned from FCS to FBS two years ago. They were eight and three, I think, last year. They're ten and one this year, and they're ranked and petitioning the NCAA to allow them into a bowl game. And they're really good, and and they played a couple of ACC teams as well this year. So they, he certainly would be someone that's interesting. And then I'm going to throw out, you know, the other name, Jason candle for the head coach at Toledo. He's turned Toledo into a really good program. Um, Liam Cohen, offense coordinator at Kentucky, Bronco Mendenhall, who was a really good head coach at Virginia and BYU hasn't coached in a few years, but perhaps he could be looking to get back into the head coaching uh, industry. And then I'm going to throw out a couple of, of, out-of-the-box candidates one charlie weiss jr who is the co-offensive coordinator at and quarterbacks coach at oldness he's only 30 years old but he got his first coordinator job at 24 years old which they said they think is the youngest on record that has ever gotten a coordinator job at the fbs level and he's been the leader of one of the better offenses in the sec for the last couple of years so if you want someone who's young and energetic and could be someone to you know, breathe some life into your program, that could be an option. Another guy I'll throw out there is the current defensive backs coach at Georgia, Fran Brown. He is considered one of, if not the best recruiter, um, assistant coach recruiter in the country. He is recruited at a high level everywhere he has been Temple, Rutgers, Georgia. Obviously it's a lot easier to recruit at Georgia, but he has been an assistant and had to recruit at Temple and Rutgers that face some of the similar challenges that Syracuse does. And he is so well connected in New Jersey. And when Syracuse has been good, they've recruited New Jersey really well. And not only would he instantly give you credibility there and continue some of the recruiting efforts you've had in New Jersey in the last couple of years, but you look at some of the better players currently on your team, Elijah Clark, New Jersey guy, LeQuint Allen, New Jersey guy. And I think he gives you a good chance at keeping some of those guys. Uh, Because again, he's a younger guy. He is energetic and is so well-respected in recruiting circles, he would be someone that, that could give you some buzz as well. We will keep you posted on all of that when they do make a hire. Of course, we will be back to break it all down for you. But for now, I'm Mike McAllister for Sydney and Griffin. Thank you for listening. and We'll see you next time.